Yes, indeed, we are back. Um, what is it? Have we had five weeks off? I'll tell you what, though. In that period, I've been doing pretty much nothing, but Gav's been beavering away. He's been working hard to make the sound much better. He's, uh, he's also got it now so that you can watch the episodes on YouTube. So we've got cameras and everything. How cool's that? We're using this thing called Zoom. No idea what it is. So that's all changed. One thing that's not improved is the language. Um, unfortunately, Gav's potty mouth does get the better of him from time to time. You know what he's like? He gets carried away. I don't know why he swears so much. So you might not want your kids to listen to it. But then again, you might. I don't know, really. I'm not going to tell you how to parent your kids. So um, enjoy. Hello, hello. Testing. One, two. Um, is this um, Neil Neil Hogson? Is it Ogson? Just do me a favour. If we're going to look at each other, yeah, go back from the camera because that's well weird. Is that a bit big, a bit large? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly Gav. sinister. Welcome back to Gas It Out, um, ladies, gentlefolk, and uh, everyone else who might be listening in between. Um, we're hoping that you can hear us. We're back. We're back. Where have you been? Yeah. Where have you been all my life? Where have you been? Yeah, we're going to tell the truth. You don't ring. Fo- you don't call. Yeah. Big fallout, me and Gav. This I is mean, basically coming... what happened, um, ladies and gentlemen. We Our last uh, podcast was Colin Edwards. The last one we actually recorded was Danilo Petrucci. And it tipped us over the edge because we'd done an interview with him. And then, obviously, it all hell broke loose, didn't it? Jack Miller signed and it, he yeah. basically pretty much announced that he's on his way. And we got hurt, didn't we? Yeah, it's it upset me a little bit. No, what really happened was Gav, just got sick to death of hearing me. You'd had enough, hadn't you, really? Or, or not hearing you. Yeah, while, or while, not hearing me. Yeah, or while you were labouring. You know, I'm in the kitchen, it's really echoey. Is it, is it too echoey, do you No, think? no, it's not at all. I can actually hear you okay. You might be okay. able to hear yourself, but it's actually better than it was. So we have been away for a while. This is our sort of second season. We thought we'd give ourselves a little bit of a break. We did a lot in a short space of time. We've got lots of things going on, but we're hoping to come back Maybe a bit uh, less frequently, a bit more infrequent. So once a week, we're thinking. Uh, but we're trying to do some video as well. Uh, so we're recording this on Zoom because everyone's using Zoom. When we were using antiquated old systems and that kind of thing. And I'm doing it all for my shoddy computer anyway. Uh, so we're hoping that we're going to continue to have some great guests. But you might be able to see them a little bit. And we're going to see each other. The problem we always had was Neil's got sketchy internet down where he is. But we found that Zoom seems to work okay on a few meetings we were doing for, for BT, wasn't it, uh, Neil, that we sort of worked out that actually Zoom seems to hold up all right for you. Yeah, I think this is the future, but it's working out where I do it from because in this kitchen, just, it does sound too echoey. But I, we tried it earlier, didn't we, from the bedroom. Look weird, me in bed, well weird. It really, really, um, silly, especially with the thing you were doing as well. That's not weird. All... all well, all lads do it. They do, honestly. Right. Not listen. in front of the mates, though. Really? Uh, yeah. No, but growing up. No. A little bit growing up. No, little, not no. at all. Um, what's annoying is, it's not like I've got a really small house. It's not that big, by the way. But, it's not but Vic, Vic's working from home. And you're and not she, disturbing her. You're not sat no, it, in her like, wake it's, it's like all of a sudden she owns everything and it's like she's got the main space. So... You know, I'm not really happy about it. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to have a serious chat about it. Have you not got? She's a, gonna... Have you not got like me a man cave? This is my loft office, basically place I put all 
uh, old race programs and all my race trophies as well. I yeah. I none. <laughs> we can see them all behind you. Exactly. Look at them. Look at them. It's, a, it's an impressive collection, that gal. But yeah, I've seen I've seen in the interim. You've there've been photos of your old helmets. You've got have you got them stored somewhere? No, no, that's in my dad's loft. Oh, right, in your I've dad's been, loft I've, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I've been going up to see my dad, and he got this like little helmet rack racking, and then we like I put them all in order. But I've got all my leathers there and they're all stacked on the floor. It's such a shame. They're not all sweaty and stinky, are they? No, no, no. That'd be no, such a shame. No, but no, they're dirty, though. They've, they've gone foisty, you know, because they've been up in the loft That's and they're called loft in Burnley. And they smell. They do, yeah, so. I like how you make out like a loft in Burnley is worse than anywhere else. I know it's, oh, fairly, it it's fairly exposed out in Burnley, but come on. Well, I, I, do you know what? I was up there yesterday and I left from the Midlands first thing in the morning, clear blue skies, beautiful day. And literally, as you're just arriving in Lancashire, the clouds appeared, and then you get over to Pendle, where Burnley is. And it, honestly, I, I had shorts and a T-shirt on. My dad looked at me like I was a weirdo, standard. And my dad's there sporting his John McGuinness T-shirt because he got a freebie off John. Well happy. <laughs> I'm going to so, give John um, yeah. a call. I want one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it is, it is cold. Burnley's cold. Pendle Hill kills it. If you're from that area, there's a big hill called Pendle Hill. And um, it just, the, the side that Burnley's on of this hill gets really bad weather. The other side's Ribble Valley, which is beautiful, and it gets good weather. So, anyway, not that people are interested in that. Well, they, are, anyway. they, they will be, especially if they're from uh, that neck of the woods, won't they? Everyone yeah. wants to hear yeah. something about where they come from. Um, I've got yeah, a I look, look, I've, go on. I love where I'm from, though. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I'm I know you do. Burnley, very proud of it. Just saying the weather's crap. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and obviously, over here in Leeds, all the crap gets stopped by... Lancashire and the Pennines, and over here, it's like a paradise, isn't it? Pretty much anything grows. They grow <laughs> pineapples up. and coconuts on the trees around here. You it's absolute knob. The Costa, the Costa del Yorkshire, Costa del crap. I've been, I've been to Leeds. No, Leeds is nice. Actually, I do like Leeds. It's a good city. It, it, it is actually, but and it's beautiful. We are on the hottest day of the year, and um, Neil, I do have a couple of bones to pick with you um, because while we haven't been doing guessing, I know you've been, I know you've been moonlighting. <laughs> you know, you're doing one with uh, MotoGP official, uh, with uh, the the one we did with Taz McKenzie as well. Doing stuff with the McKenzies, doing yeah. stuff with the insurance company. Uh, yeah. You know, write, you don't text, you don't call. Yeah, this is Slightly. actually the the, tr the truth's coming out now. This is why we've had a big break because Gav's been sulking because you know I've done a bit of moonlighting. Sorry, mate. Listen, you are my first love, but occasionally I do like a little bit of slapping tickle elsewhere. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, Sorry, mate. Not bear thinking about. Um, but people were worried we weren't going to make it back with with gas it out, but. We had a couple of things to iron out. One of those was the audio. We tried. We're hoping things are going to be a little bit better. But now also, with the season starting to get going, we were worried at one point, and a lot of our talk in the first lot of Gas It Out was, we don't know if there's going to be a season. It looks like it's going full steam ahead. Three weeks from now, pretty much, uh, we'll be actually um, covering it. We won't be able to go on site because of all the restrictions with quarantine, these kinds of things. Uh, but we're going to be covering it for when we, when we get back to BT Sport. But riders have started to become more elusive, haven't they? Uh, they're all back training. They're all back in the groove again, getting themselves going once more. So it's been hard, hasn't it, trying to actually pin people down? Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be... This is going to be a difficult period. I think once the season starts, it'll be easier. But I think now all the riders have become paranoid. It's like, right, damn. Like, it's literally the season just around the corner. A lot to sort out, a lot to organise. 
obviously fitness training. Yeah, doing stuff what, like what, this, then what about that? With because a, on the back burner. With a month to go, no. yeah, but so with a month to go, I know you, you've obviously um, managed Alex, you've been to visit Sam Lowe's and Jake Dixon, you did some socially distanced interviews in, in their houses. I know Sam's gone off to Italy, so what have you heard that from people you spoke to? How do you suddenly prepare when someone's, you know, they were all uh, keeping time, weren't they, a little bit? Like, when are we going to get going? And then suddenly, boom, five weeks you've got and the season's going to start. How do, how do you go about yeah. that? Well, using, let's say, them three as an example, Sam and Alex Lowe's and Jake Dixon, well, and, and the McKenzie's, because I see a lot of them, they've all just been keeping right on top of it. So there's no, when I say there's a shock, you know, all of a sudden you've got to get everything sorted out. Fitness-wise, they're, they're all really sorted. And I'm sure 99% of the people were. There won't be many of professional racers been out on the piss the last... No, sort of, of like, course not. Oh, no. wow. You know, we've got three months off, let's, uh, let's have a beer, you know. Everybody I know... You know, riders are obsessed, aren't they? So they're, they're working on themselves to better themselves and whatever that is... You know, training, trying to lose a bit of body fat, gain muscle, whatever, whatever. So, so, um, but then there's a lot to sort out with making sure you've got all your helmets, leathers prepared and working out when testing is going to be, how it's all going to work. Um, Sam and Alex flew out to Italy about four days ago, five days ago. And Alex is on track today. He's at Mizano. I've not had... Um, today's his first day on track, so I've not heard anything. Is that Sam with the MotoGP bikes? Because because yeah. Ducati had a private test there, didn't they? Because I saw Piro right. been out. Oh, do you see the bike? I saw yeah, a couple of photos for it, like it? all the bits on the front forks, like these shrouds and oh, and a big scoop at the back. That was quite interesting. Yeah, they've been working. Because it, oh well, it's what we knew everybody'd be working, but especially Ducati. It looks like I mean, Ducati looks like it's. Definitely been injecting steroids, but it looks even more so now, doesn't it? It's just everything is bigger and more exaggerated. And and they are stuck in terms of frozen now on the engines. They've sealed. KTM and Aprilia have been allowed a bit of an extension on that, so it can be sealed once the engine, uh, once the season actually does get going. So they've got a little bit of leeway. Bradley Smith, I know, was out testing the Aprilia. Looks to me like he'll be racing um, for Aprilia when we do get going. So that'd be interesting to see. Uh, but there's lots of interviews with these people. If you are just joining us for the first time on Gas It Out, go uh, to uh, gasitout.podbean.com. Try to remember it. Or go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those kind of things. A massive back catalogue. Interviews with the likes of Jake Dixon, Sam Lowe's, uh, Cal Crutchlow, Danilo Petrucci, Brad Binder, all these uh, people from MotoGP, um, Alex Lowe's from World Superbike, Johnny Ray, of course, the champion. Got people from TT, like John McGuinness, Guy Martin, Susie Perry, our colleague, got uh, involved on it too. There's loads of good stuff in there. I'll tell you what, Neil, the most popular ones, I will say, of those. So if you want to go and search one out, you haven't heard. Scott Redding came out pretty much as the most popular. And JT, James Toesland, his, mm. his interview really went down. because proper heartfelt, wasn't it? And get well soon, JT, because he's just had another operation on his hand. Yeah, yeah, James's was, um, I mean, I think James was, was probably a bit more of a surprise for me and you because we've, we've both known James for a long time. Obviously, I was teammates with him. But, um, yeah, do you know what? He really opened up, didn't he? And we, we both learned a lot about him. And um, it was just interesting, his, his journey. And it has been a journey to, to where he is now. And uh, actually, it was, if you saw on social media, he was talking about his wrists at his fourth operation yesterday. I've not heard how it went. Well, he actually, he was speaking afterwards, but yeah. you never know. You, you know what I mean? After a straight after away, surgery, you, yeah. You, yeah, you're being optimistic, but you don't really know, you know, where it's at. So yeah, like you say, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, Scott Redding one was Scott was. 
I, I came away being a Scott Redding fan and that's me being, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty straight with stuff. It weren't that I wasn't a fan. It just, I was, you know, I respect him as a rider, but it weren't somebody that yeah. I thought, oh, you know, I really hope Scott Redding goes well. Yeah. I, I, I would like that with Scott. That's basically the best way of explaining it. And then we did that podcast with him and I thought, I'll tell you what, that kid's going to go, he's going, he's going to bounce back. He's on the way you up. Know, he, like there's someone, you, you the often talk about stock value, don't you? And there's someone mm. who definitely was on the rise, Moto2, into MotoGP. And then it sort of tailed off a little bit, fair to say. I'm sure Scott would say the same, taking a massive step back to go to BSB. But someone who's been able, which is rare, isn't it, to bring themselves mm. back up. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I noticed he's over in Italy as well. I'm assuming he's probably testing at Mizano. Did you see the picture he posted of his girlfriend? No. <laughs> yes, you did. I got sent it by <laughs> Matthew Roberts sent me that one. <laughs> What? Yeah, Why are we talking about Matt we're Roberts? talking about Matt Roberts because of our guest. How do we... Because of our guest today, um, and uh, he's someone who works Scream very, Matt Roberts. Very, Matt Roberts. <laughs> very closely with Matt Roberts, uh, and, Matt Roberts. and that's of course his his <laughs> colleague uh, from Eurosport. Someone who often people will probably think we're in a bit of a rivalry with in terms of TV, but we're not because we're both uh, avid fans of watching British Superbike Championship, World Superbikes when it's on, and his commentary that he does there with. Uh, Jack Burnicle or Greg Haynes or all the people throughout the years. And it is, of course, former British Superbike champion himself. Uh, it was in World Super Sport, won races in World Superbike, won a race in World Superbike as well. Uh, James Witt and Jamie Whittam, Jim Witt, Witt, top man. I can't wait to speak to him from, I would say he's from my neck of the woods, but he's proper hardcore Yorkshire in Huddersfield uh, down there. But um, top man, I can't, I actually can't wait to speak to him because he's got, stories for days we well we could we could have probably well you could have 10 podcasts with jamie just talking about his career his experiences you know his stories everyone loves Whitam. i was thinking about it earlier you know before we we uh this morning when we did our little sound check i was like no one dislikes james if you think about it in our industry the big motorcycling industry he's a proper legend that word gets used a lot, mm. but Wit's a legend. If you look at what he's done in his career, what he's achieved, all the categories he's raced in. Yeah, because he has done such a variety, hasn't he? Yeah. It's easy to forget, though. It's easy to forget that he was, a, you know, good on the roads, you know, when he, when he first started. It's easy to forget that he raced 80cc. It's easy to forget that he was fast at Daytona. You know, obviously, it's easy to forget he raced 500 GPs in 92. You know what I mean? Like, had a few few races he's done a bit of everything and and gone through the biggest battle with cancer which he never talks about yeah, twice, I mean, like people look, twice that he's twice it, he's yeah, he got it in 95 and then had it about two or three years ago and and the second time round was so bad and he's been honestly he's been through hell and back and still lives with it on a daily basis mm. i don't know if you want, want to talk about it he's, he's not um, it's not that he's private about it. He just doesn't. It's almost like he don't want to make a fuss about it. No, that's exactly that, it. That's, it. It's weird, isn't it? It's like proper well, yeah, Yorkshire. It's, it's a you know, Yorkshire attitude, isn't it? In a way, I'm, yeah, not, I'm just saying it, that no, in is. terms of it's a bit like, well, it's what, what we've got, isn't it? What, what yeah, are you going to do about it? Crack on. Crack on. He's. Um, I wrote it down. He's 53 years old, which I can't. James to me is like 30 in my head. And when you spend time with him, and I've been so fortunate over the years to spend time socially with him, I've been away skiing with him, I've been out on the piss with him, we've been motocrossing, trials riding, obviously we've competed together, I've seen it all. And 
what he's fit into those uh, 53 years, he's lived two or three lives. Mm. He's full gas. You know, financially, he's not in a bad place at all. It's not like he's skinned, but he doesn't stop. He loves it. He, he, that, he, that's he, what um, I was going to say. I think that, that there, he loves it. And there is someone who loves the motorcycle world. Like, mm. And it's not uh, just in terms of uh, racing, row racing and all those sorts of things. He loves his trials. He's fettling bikes mm. left, right and centre. And actually, I've just seen now that he has entered the waiting room for this meeting. Shall I let let's him in? Get, Shall I let him in? Get him in. Get him in. Yeah, because we're running out of good things to say about <laughs> it. His, his ears must have been burning then as well as we're talking about him. Let's see if uh, we can uh, we can hear from him. As always on Zoom, the first thing is everyone goes, you're muted, you're muted. That's always the first thing that happens in every Zoom meeting. He's a proper pro, even got the microphone. Look yeah, at but this. Yeah, but the earphones are someone nicked off her bass last time I flew with Classy. never change. It's a classy <laughs> setup that you've got. Hang on a minute, did you say... Did he say Nick from BA? You've never flown BA weight. Oh, Come I on. Stop, stop All right. Bugger. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Not from Huddersfield. I didn't know Huddersfield International uh, had a bit of regular BA flight. Well, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we've been busy up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's Bradford was closed, but don't worry. They were uh, non stop from, uh, from Hood. See, James, oh. Yorkshire's favourite airport. James, already I can see battle scars on your arms. What 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 have you been up to? Oh that. Bit of tree cutting yesterday. I bought myself a new. Like everybody else in lockdown, not earning any money, but still getting that bought and going out and spending all my savings. Bought myself a new Sherco trials bike and went a bit, did a bit of tree cutting yesterday. Ended up in a fucking tree actually. I don't know how managed it. Actually, oh my rescue. Up it up. I love it. Stuck I in it. I, I went off a little bit of a maybe an eight foot rock step because I just got it wrong. And it seemed easier for me to sort of cling on the tree instead of falling off the step and let the bike flipping go down the drop. So brilliant. Have you been you've been doing stuff with Lee Johnston, haven't you? What were you were you, were you riding with him? Oh I tell you what, I have I, I love that kid, honestly. It um what the Lee thing, it, what's happened is he moved from, he's lived in Yorkshire for quite a bit now to his girls, his wife's from Yorkshire area. So, but it was Halifax way, but now he's moved to uh, literally three miles from my house. So I've seen a bit of him. We cycle a bit together, trials bike a bit together, but we've taken the opportunity of lockdown. We've got, we've got a lot of sheds up here, hangers, big, big, big sheds. And they're all rough because my dad built them. They're all, they were all built out of secondhand stuff in the first place. Uh, and one of them's needed a re-skinning, re, um, re-cladding uh, for about 10 years. And we've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And the sheets are flapping. Every time there's a wind in wind, it blows a few off. So we've bitten the bullet and um, bought all the materials. And I, um, I had Lee helping me. The, the kid is like, he's an hard-working monkey is what he is. He don't care. I mean, this is, I suppose when you consider that he makes his living trying to avoid Gable ends at 180 mile an hour, you know, walking up on a 50-foot roof doesn't seem that risky. Uh, but he's been a real good help. He's a, he's a 
good laddies, Lee, I like Lee. Oh, that's uh, good to hear. How have you uh, dealt with it the last uh, three or four months, Jamie? Yeah, what, it's been all right. What has it been for you? I've, I've got the I've got the letter like all the other sort of ex-cancer sufferers, uh, organ flipping uh, change people, uh, diabetics. So they told me just not to come out, wipe me shopping, don't even see your kids and all that, which I did for about... I did the full 12 weeks of that, been really careful. I mean, I could go out because we've got a lot of land here, so I could potter about in my own little space, but um, I've kind of relaxed it a little bit now. Around here, we've not done, and I don't want to speak too soon, but we've not done too bad, really, so I think I'm being careful still, but I'm not being silly careful. Yeah, and it's quite rural in a way, but there's a lot of open air and space, isn't there, around where you are? exactly. What have you been fettling? Because no doubt you'll have had something on the go. Yeah, I've done, um, so I've got a Matisse try and finished off, but you never, you've, an old British bike you never finish with because that's shit. There's always an oil leak or something to fix up on it. Um, I've finished, I've got a TZ750 nicely finished, that's all up and running and working now. Um, and I've been building a, I'm, t- I'm getting into 365 trialing a little bit because the modern trials I love doing, but I can't do the expert course anymore because I'm just not good enough I just aren't good enough these kids now these lads who's come through the cyclo trials uh, system they're just unbelievable brilliant to watch I mean they're all hopping backwards and jumping from one rock to another I just can't do any of that so I do a little bit of club trialing on my modern bike but um, the pre-65 class is a lot more old school it's all about muddy stream beds and muddy hillsides so I've built myself a, a little BSA Bantam pre seats. Well, there's nothing Bantam on it. The more titanium than on most factory flipping race bikes, to be honest. So, and who do you go riding with then with that? With the trial? Pre 65, I'll go off with uh, Mick Grant and oh, yeah. Hero Vesterina. You too young, the period to remember Hero Vesterina. Vesterina he sounds was a fast. He sounds <laughs> world finished guy, and you'll know him or you'll know his company because he set up after he finished trials riding, he set up a company called Apico. Oh, bloody hell, yeah, yeah. And made a lot of money. Lives in England now. That Lancashire is fucking naturalised Lancashire, isn't it? Well, idiot. yeah, made, he made, made a lot of money <laughs> and thought, where, where in the UK can I can I base myself in the most beautiful part? I'll go to Lancashire. Of course he did. Yeah, I'm well, out of here, yeah. Or it might have been, hang on a minute, where am I unlikely to get any sales at all? Uh, yeah, Lancashire. There, I'll, I'll go and sell there. Well, where's, hey, where's cool. Because it's a full of wrong-uns. Shut <laughs> up. Right. Hey, wasn't it though? A Pico gear was cool. Yeah, Back in, the, in, in the eight, in, in the eighties. Yeah, we all that fluorescent. You'll have worn a bit of that when you. Loved I loved that. it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I loved the Pico. <laughs> hey, without a doubt. Hey, what, what do you think now? Then we don't. Obviously, you get to talk a lot um, on Eurosport, whether it be British Superbike, World Superbike. Obviously, we, we focus more on the MotoGP side. What do you think about it all getting back going, though, now with all the... Obviously, all the rules that have happened, but what they've done to actually get things going again? Yeah, I think I think um, they're doing the best under the circumstances that we're having to put up with. And I think um, I've, I've been keeping up to speed more with BSV, to be honest, and World Superbike, although both championships look like they've got a plan in place. Uh, you can see that there's... World Superbike, in a lot of ways, has more problems because it's like MotoGP. Not only have they got to look after the people who may want to come and watch, uh, so distancing in the in the bleachers, as it were, 
but also the, there's, I guess, a thousand people in the paddock from 25 or 30 different countries, which is, you know, a problem in itself. So respect for them to, for coming up with a, a plan that will even get anywhere near that. BSB, the problem is they, they've got less of a problem in the travelling. They're all from mm. the UK in the paddock, but they've got more of a problem quite a few more problems. The biggest one being they can't really afford to run that championship behind closed doors for long. That's what I was going to say. Because they don't have the yeah. TV and other revenues that they, they need the people that pay their hard earned and, and, and sit down and watch. That's where their income comes from. I had noticed, though, they've signed up again with Eurosport, haven't they? For, is it for seven years, was it? Or was it five years? Yeah. Oh, that's um, amazing, that is. Seven. It's seven years. Seven. I mean, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, seven years. Obviously, I'm really happy with that. Of course. Um, they're really happy with it. Um, as far as the other the other problem BSB has got is that there's only about, and you know this anyway, there's only about perhaps a tenth of the people in the paddock, and that includes riders, mechanics, technicians, all the rest of it, are actually professional. At that, you know, that the, the rest of them, the 90%, are actually running a fishing chip shop or they've got a garage or a tyre fitting service or, you know, a, a, a little company making whatever, cakes. And they, and they go racing on a typically Thursday night. They set up on a Thursday night and they race Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they go home and they're back at work on Monday morning. So a lot of those people, that the sort of, what you call the, I'd call them the, this kind of bread and butter BSB. Mm. Uh, teams uh, are going to really struggle. Yeah. They've had a financially hard times, which is racing is a pastime and a passion, but it's still not as important as a lot of people's businesses and putting food on the table for the kids. And the other thing is that they're going to want to be putting more effort into getting the business back on an even keel uh, than you know setting off on a Thursday night. They, 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 they're not going to want a Monday and a Friday off work. They want to get back to so BSB's had issues but I think they've got a plan that'll cope for most let's say and then there's things like sponsors might not have any money and that's the thing you know you haven't got any money coming in from other sides it's it's a such a tough time for all the all the sport really isn't it and everything Mm. that we're involved in I mean it's it's, it is and um, it's for anything I suppose leisure industry wise if you see that pubs and that might open but still certain places like gyms and things can't even open all those kind of things so it's uh do you yeah. know, actually, the, the MotoGP class might be the one that's affected the less, if you think about it, because I, I know it's, you know, it's obviously funded by the manufacturers, essentially. Yeah. But you've got, you know, and what you have is you've got tens of TV stations from around the world yeah. who are all wanting to put money into it to, to, to broadcast it. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones, the fans are still going to be able to see it in, in effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I this, did. This, I did just do that. I apologise, uh, but you know what I mean. Commercially, <laughs> commercially, the bigger operation you've got, F1, MotoGP, the in a lot of ways, the easier it is to come up and afford to do and put in place the the procedures that you need uh, to do. You know, if you're if you're relying on you know twenty thousand people turning up at Cadwell and you can't have twenty thousand people at Cadwell, you're doomed, didn't you? So mm. you know that's yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. So I think MotoGP. And in a little bit of a way, World Superbike has a little bit more scope to, to go. When we talk about all these different championships, where you obviously raced in all of them. And we were talking, actually, before myself and Neil, 
because uh, you had such a varied career, such a long career as well. Uh, everything that everything you race from different you know bikes, different championships, that kind of thing. And I wondered, obviously, you won British championships, you won World Superbike race, you were in World Supersport. I just wonder what. When you look back on that vast old career in all these different places and different paddocks around the world, what's the thing that sticks with you? Where is it that you go, that's home for me? Um, I think it changes, I think, throughout your career. And I think Neil would understand this, that you, you tend to feel happiest and more at home when you're having a good time with it on track. That's the bottom line. If you're winning races, you can fit into any paddock if you're the man and you're enjoying setting off and you're enjoying being part of something that you're reasonably good at. If you're having a torrid time and you can't fix what's wrong or you, you're on the wrong bike for that season or whatever, you know how, how fickle the job can be. Well, you're not having a good time and it, it's in a lot of ways, it's the worst job in the world. Mm. But I guess if I'm looking back at the, the, the best times, it would have been the times with that I had. I mean, I enjoyed it all, to be quite honest. I enjoyed it all. My looking back on, on it in the round, I look back and I think, I'm sure if you had Foggy on here, he'd be saying, well, I never did as good as, you know, I won 15,000 world championships, but I didn't really do as well as I thought I might. I actually look back and say the opposite. When I started club racing, never, ever thought I'd go as far as I did. And I look back at my career and I can just sum it up by saying, bloody hell, that was all right. That's <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, it. <laughs> too right as well. And that comes across, though. Oh, that does come, it across does come across in everything that you do. It comes across that you, you had a great time. Well, we've heard a lot of your stories that you and Rob Mack came up with, all the memories you were going through during lockdown. Yeah. I loved a lot. The Scarborough one in particular, pushing the chap off the, the little guy's waging off the bike and it turned into yeah, a Scarborough. Yeah. I think I enjoyed that one. But that you had a good time then. But that you just love it now, still, and and that you you I mean you know you talk about there your trials riding you working on bikes you love the the motorcycle world don't you? Yeah, and I love I love the motorcycle world, particularly racing. The thing racing's got I love my trials in, love my motocross, but the thing road racing's got. And when I say road racing, I mean circuit racing and uh, and you know pure roads. It, it's because. Almost because there's more of an element of you're going faster, the, the, the pitfalls are probably a bit deeper, therefore. And because of that, you get that, you get a, there's a real big brotherhood kind of thing about it, even now. And even despite the egos that, you, that come into play when you get higher up the racing ladder, they still, they, it's still not a job that anybody can do. You just, you wouldn't, unless you've got talent and you're brave and you're prepared to sort of push limits a little bit all the things we like to watch now, you're not going to do any good at it. And that's a fact. And it doesn't, what really has amazed me over the years and still does, you can get the smallest, nicest, uh, most polite little fellow wouldn't say boo to a goose can become this kind of horned devil as soon as you put a set of handlebars and, and 200 horsepower under his right hand. It's just the weirdest thing. And quite the converse, you get a big, I, I know lads who start racing with me, bigger, stronger, harder than me. Have a go at anything, and they were rubbish because, yeah. because it's something different, and, and it's in it's in there somewhere. Between the years, I still, yeah. yeah, and I still well, like a John, you. like a John Reynolds type personality. Exactly, who <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't say boo to a goose? He sort of dressed like a middle aged man when he was probably in his mid twenties. He was a middle aged like, young kid. That's what. It yeah, was. exactly. Well, yeah. And you'd, like you say, you think he, he wouldn't say boo to a goose, and yeah. he would have you off the edge of the track, no yeah. problem at all. And he knew exactly what he was doing. It. 
and yeah. he, he was and he'd do it in such a way that you needed the skill to do it. It wasn't just a lunatic who ran into you, mate, he'd stitch you, but yeah. he'd do it in a way that you went, Well, fair enough, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was I was taking the piss. I should have never even tried to go around the outside of him. I won't do that again. That's <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I still love about it. To be honest, it is funny. Do you do you love it like more as much the same now as you did when you raced, for example? Why I'm asking that question is being totally honest. For for me, I love it about the same as when I raced because when I raced, it was. There were, the highs were higher, but the lows were lower. So then overall, throughout my career, you'd say if you, it was on this path, yeah. now is what I do involved in the industry with everything I do, yeah. I'm about on the same path. I love it, the same. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say about that. I, I miss certain things. Um, I don't miss some things and I miss other things. I don't miss the fact that you've got to put up with the knocks, the broken collarbones, the, the bits of skin missing here and there. And, but... I do miss the fact that it was probably the one thing in my life I've realised now that it's the one thing that I had a little bit of talent for because I hadn't really got a lot of talent for much of the things I'm, I'm an you know, average, pretty much average man me at everything. Uh, but racing was the one thing I kind of stumbled on that was, I was kind of all right at that. And I miss the fact that I'm, I'm not anymore. I'm, I, the one thing that I was all right at and, and seemed to come pretty naturally and I enjoyed it I can't do anymore, really, at that level. I can do a bit of flipping club racing, a bit of classic racing. I can go to Goodwood and whiz round on them, you know, Max Norton's, but that ain't the kind of same, you know, it's not, that ain't the same as being the man some, uh, occasionally. Yeah. And you know, what I, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know? the, the, the only bits I miss is, uh, but it's, it's that, it's such a small percentage of what it involves in racing, is that you're the man standing yeah. on top of a rostrum with a big bottle of champagne. You're not you going to get that anywhere else. No, you can't replicate that. Those, no. whatever, whatever releases in your body, that when, you know, no. you, you know, so. That's exactly. You know, now you look at them, you look at these kids uh, coming up and, and winning races and going well and fighting and they're all a bit more media savvy than we were. And in a lot of ways, the, it's dip, more difficult for them to enjoy the moment of it because there's a lot more pressure on them, sponsors, etc. But in actual fact, I still look at them and I think, you lucky bastards. I just, <laughs> yeah, hope, yeah. I just hope that a lot of them realise it while it's happening. Because there's a tendency nowadays for them to miss it after. Not, not, you know, they don't realise while it's all gone. I remember Jake Dixon, obviously I was really good friends with his dad. And he, he had a hard time. He led the British Supersport Championship at about, about 18, I think. He was a young kid. And then he sort of, faltered the last couple of three rounds, had a crash, hurt himself, tried to ride in the typical story. And and he was so upset with it all. He was actually crying. Kid was crying. And he was only a kid. And I went up to him and I said, do you know what, Jake? You, 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 you're brilliant at what you do. You're probably going places in this sport, I think. Uh, but don't forget, it, number one, the good bits are only going to be better because what you're going through now, right? They're going to, you know, you, you need to taste a bit of this to know how hard it is and, and to taste the good stuff. And do you know what? Even if it's worse, it's better than putting a flipping dollar per summer on a thing as it comes past on a conveyor belt in a factory. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's you, so you don't true. get a lot better. 
and and I just hope a lot of kids realise it while it's still going on. You know, I think because I, I always, think what happens a lot of times, and I've seen it not just in this sport but in other sports, is that a lot of things come to, to people a lot younger, and it may, I'm not going to yeah. say a lot easier because people still need to work hard to where they get. But I think uh, things do come to you at a, a different level when you're younger now and it's almost you take that for granted whether you're coming through a, a rookie championship or you're coming through something where yeah. a bike's been provided like a talent cup that sort of thing yeah and you almost agree not not having to graft in the same way to get to get somewhere and it's i, I think actually the riders who recognize that are the ones that mm. achieve uh, are able to achieve I, that bit more or there's a click like we've seen with scott redding recently we were yeah. talking about it with him where it seems like suddenly there's a oh shit this isn't going to last forever you know yeah, I, I, I'm I'm living my best life now. Yeah, that's it. I 100% agree, and I think it was easier in the old days to enjoy that because you you didn't start typically till you could afford to start. I was lucky I started at 16 because I had a dad who had a few quid. Simple, and I don't deny that. You know, I'd have, I'd have probably gone racing, what would have probably been in my early 20s, and paid for, if I'd have had to pay for it myself. But now kids are away and and doing well. At, you know early teens and that's I mean what do you know at that point you know that's, that's I always tell them you know you, you don't get no better than this for most no. people and I know and you know, I know, uh, I know um, you, uh, you're quite self-deprecating anyway in one way um, but you also say you're pretty average. You're a bloody good broadcaster as well. And lots of people, we all love watching you on things you do, whether it be on Eurosport, whether it be on the ITV stuff with all the TT, that, that sort of thing. How much how much did you ever think this was going to be the, the way of the, the second part of your career almost? Being a broadcaster, being a public speaker, being someone who yeah. does that Not sort of thing. Never. Because it, it looks natural for you. It looks like it, you know, it's something you enjoy doing as well. Yeah, I think, I think the key is... Uh, I love the sport, so it's not that big of a deal. If you said to me, right, you know, you look at you look at proper uh, broadcasters, and I definitely include you in this gap. And fifty-fifty, you Neil. <laughs> but oh, no, I'm no, not no, convinced no, no. yet. I think no, you've got no, the metal, no. but I don't know. I definitely haven't. No, no, that's no, not no. true. Somebody like somebody like uh, Matt Roberts. Oh, we don't mention his name on gap. this podcast because how do you get? He gets uh, jealous. But, but, you could go if you said to him, "Oh, you Gav, right? We've got you the best job in the world. You're taking over from Gary Lineker. You would do your own work and you would present that program and, and you'd, you'd do a mega job of it." I couldn't. If it, if it ain't got two wheels and an engine, I would be doomed completely. Yeah. I'll tell you that, and that's the difference. I, I'm only natural with it because I actually love it, and I don't. It don't. It's not that big effort. I know it sounds awful because I try and work at everything I do and make it the best I can, but actually. It's I not. Like it it's, yeah, but it's not that effort because it comes naturally to you. Though that's what exactly. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. James. I'm. I'm exactly the same. And over the years, over the last few years, my one of two of my friends have gone. Oh, you should try and do other things with the TV side of stuff. And and I'm like, why? And they go, well, just think you could you could probably earn loads more money if you did a bit of football. And I'm like, one, it's so much harder than you think. Yeah. So I, I'm just relying on all what we know, all our knowledge. But actually yeah. presenting, like like you said, but Gav could do it because Gav's a, an incredible it, presenter. Yeah. Matt Roberts and, could, Susie Perry could, yeah. Craig Doyle could, because that's what yeah. they do. They're perfect, professional yeah. presenters. We're, yeah. we're like professional pundits, but also we can do a little bit of presentation stuff. But but it's, it's like, a, you know what I mean? It's a bit yeah. piece of the camera or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think the one thing about TV for... for um, 
ex-sports people, ex-athletes, is that there is a buzz of being live, isn't there? There is in in, a, in yeah. some sort of way. If the I mustn't mess up here because there are a lot of people watching me, and there's a bit of performance in there as well, isn't there? And I'm not. I'm not saying. Yeah, I can't believe not saying it's winning a race. James, I, I can't believe you've never sworn on TV. No. I can't well, believe have, have you? I know, I have I know you? The, the viewers aren't going to believe this, but uh, I swear a lot, generally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I, I came into this job fully aware that I wouldn't have a job for long if I kept effing and blinding on TV. So, you know, you, you act accordingly. I have said some things that in... Uh, I have, and You're the same. You've got to strike a balance between being natural, spontaneous, reacting to what somebody says with a bit of a joke or whatever, if it needs to be serious. and You've got to think on your feet a lot. And what you don't want to be doing is, in the middle of a commentary or a, an interview, thinking exactly what you're going to say next. You ain't got time. And it'll just be such a little boxed-off, hideous little stop-start job if you did that. So you're thinking on your feet and you're almost saying what comes into your head before you've thought if it's yeah. acceptable or not. And over the years, I've said some things that, in my head, as they're coming out, uh, that's acceptable, but edgy, and it actually in real life, uh-uh, that's, that's not acceptable. <laughs> Go on, give and me. I've had a couple of. Have warnings, you got an but, example? Um, I, do, hang on, yep. that might Pro- be somebody with an example. Professional, here he is. It's, it's Mark Hodgson. Mark Hodgson. Oh, Join in the party. <laughs> hey, we, we don't want my dad on now. How long have we, long have we got? As Casey Stoner, dad, as I, Casey Stoner called him in his book, Flask and Sandwiches. Obviously, yeah. but I tell you what, he, he knows his motorbikes and oh, he's got some lovely bits of kit. I've actually tried to buy a couple of bikes off your dad, but he's a typical flipping Lancashire, flipping every every penny's a prisoner. He is, <laughs> and, and and he was flasking sandwiches because he didn't stop talking. He's always have a long story to tell you. Yeah, you couldn't just pop round to my dad's basically. You had to take your flask of sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want. Oh, I've said all sorts of stuff. I said that there was um there were some marshals madly sweeping, like 15 of them sweeping a big oil spillage up and putting dust down on it. They're all in orange overalls as they are. And Jack Bernicle said, look at them, just likes too many council workers. I goes, not like council workers at bloody Kirklees. I says, with three of me van eating sandwiches, four of them had gone home and asked the mates to clock off for them. What of them leaned on shovel? And I got a, I got a right knacking for that. I bet you did, honestly. Yeah, well, I did, yeah, yeah, I can't see the fault in that. That's like, you, you, I mean, you, you're just being honest. I've been exactly honest, yes. Mm. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Neil, Neil, he's just said he got correspondence off it, and now you're going, no, it's true, though, isn't it? You're just, <laughs> you're just setting yourself up for correspondence. Yeah, but, yeah. Correspondence whoa, 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 gap, being gap. a brown whoa, message in gap. an envelope. <laughs> this is our podcast. We can do what we want. That's what's the beauty of doing a little podcast. You know, like where you are slightly restricted when you're on TV. Yeah. So you can you, you can be, let's say, 100% honest on the podcast, where sometimes on TV you think, I want to say this, but I better not do it. You get away with it more on Eurosport because they're under French. It's, it's run from France, isn't it? So you can get away with, with bits. Well, you have to if you're, yeah. with, 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 if you're with Jack Bernicle, some of the things sometimes oh, that Jack shit. comes out no, with, no, he's no. close Jack, to the phone. <laughs> Jack said some stuff. I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell this story again because it's just, the, to me, I nearly, I nearly fell off my seat at this. We're at Croft and a guy called, uh, there's a guy called Victor Cox. C-O-X, got running right up front of us, uh, stopped our race, and it's very bumpy at Croft, 
and his bike wasn't the best set up uh, thousand Kawasaki in the world and it's it's just all over the place. It's tank slapping, it's jumping around, and he's still he's still going well. He's still top five, and in the real dice. And Jack's getting really excited about this because it's quite an exciting race, as that stock car always is. And uh, about three quarters of the way through the race, Jack just says, oh, this is live on air. And he just said, oh, do you know what, James? I love to see Cox bouncing around. <laughs> and I thought, oh, dear, dear. And he didn't know what I was laughing at. He didn't know what I was laughing at. So, oh, so I pressed my laser so that, I mean, you know what one is. You, you press your button and it only goes to your, your, yeah. your, your core commentator and not out to air. And I said, so you love to see Cox bouncing around here. <laughs> went, oh. And he's it, it, flipping eyes. It just, it finished him for the rest of the race. He was, uh, but I loved that. That's absolutely superb, isn't it? Uh, well, still, I mean, that's like when Keith Ewan came out saying Bradley Smith was going around with the yellow banded hard on, which, you know, yeah, went, it went on tire, radio on that. The tyre thing's an absolute minefield. Yes. Jack came out with, uh, he was talking, he was actually referencing uh, Colin Edwards in World Superbike. And he said, uh, it, it gone for, the big thing was, there was one tyre that was definitely going to go the race, the harder one, and one that wasn't, but gave the grip. Usual story. And uh, Jack came out with, well, he's gone. He's, um, he had a hard on this morning, and I bet he wishes he had a hard on now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You can't say that. Oh, there are so many, oh there are so many things that you can, uh, innuendos yeah, yeah, yeah. to come out of it all. Um, so you've just been talking there about, um, you talk about Colin Edwards. I was just, it made me think about some of the races that you've, you know, been commentating or being involved in what what if you had a favorite race to go back to throughout and it could be one you've been in could be one you've seen what what's one that sticks in your head when someone goes what's your favorite race uh classic for me uh was actually my first ever sort of co commentating job i'd raced in uh the the, the eurosport commentary crew was uh neil mckenzie and jack bernicle they went to every single round on site so at, we i mean i knew neil anyway got to know jack really well that year and they typically, after I'd finished the super sport race, there was obviously one more super bike leg to go. So they get me in for a sort of third mic. Yeah, because it was just a different view. Like, you, it's nice to have. But other than that, I was a good mate of Neil's and we always got a bit of banter going. So it was the Imola. I'd finished fourth, but then got excluded for the bike not starting on the battery. So I was a bit pissed off with that anyway. But I went into the contribute and we witnessed firsthand from uh, the. It's a lovely contribute that Imola as well. You sat in the back of the grandstand. You've got the heads of the punters. So you get all that kind of uh, atmosphere going on. In the, you're almost in the in the bleachers with them, and we witnessed the and got to talk about as it happened the Edwards Bayliss Championship uh, decided in or two uh, with Bayliss not being able to just win the race, which he probably could have done, I think. But he had to hold Edwards up until Zaus could catch up. So Zaus could be in between Bayliss and Edwards to give him the points necessary. It was just, it was like a, almost like a 200 mile an hour chess game. It was unbelievable. And that, it's at that point I thought, special man is Bayliss. They all were, they're all cracking, hang on a minute. <coughs> they're all cracking riders. But um, Bayliss just did everything he could. It was, uh, and failed. It was a glorious. Uh, going down in a sort of blaze of bullets kind of failure, but um, what a flipping race. And you couldn't, you actually didn't need to speak. That's the the, the sort of the yeah. irony of it. You, you could have just played it and gone out of the cup of tea because you didn't need us. It's brilliant. Yeah, but 
I've, I've got to say, I thought that was an incredible race. But my, my favourite race with your Hang commentary on, a minute, on... Neil, 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 Neil. You were in that race and right near the front at one point and you were on Dunlops and your tyres fell apart. Otherwise, you'd have been right at the thick end of that. Yeah, they, they never work around that. That was one of those tracks where, you know what it's like. That I think you, had about, you did about... 12 laps out of 20 that was right on the right on the pace off the back yeah. of them, just right with them. I, yeah. I remember at points in that race, passing um, passing Edwards and thinking, like, you know when it's a bit sketchy and you're holding your breath and your trail breaking in, thinking, yeah. God, if I lose the front now, I'm going to clean Edwards out and say this will be champion and Ducati will love me. So I, I sort of didn't care anyway. You know, I yeah. thought, well, if it, if it goes, you know, like... Well, I'll tell you what I, I remember. One of my... Uh, funniest memories of you we're in a real uh, kind of a um, there were always hideous wars those races at um, Sugo beautiful yeah. circuit right on a hillside in the middle of the trees in Japan but what you got at Sugo the same as what you got in the UK and America and sometimes Australia you got a load of local wild boys and they were uh, wildcats who were just fast I mean, well, on factory bikes as well. They've popped out of the woodwork from garage number 56 with a factory bike that's trickier than the thing you're getting paid loads of money to ride and just striped it. They were fast. She's finished top 10 there for me with like a top four anywhere else. Anyway, I witnessed a bingo race. I had not a bad day on on a Suzuki, on the Harris Suzuki. And you were having not a bad day as well on a Kawasaki, I believe. And it was, might have been 99. It was anyway. 98. Aaron Slight was Aaron Slight was yeah, in the yeah. chance to win the championship on the under, but was that, he just caved with pressure? He caved with pressure, the poor lad, right? And he's a lovely lad, is Aaron, but he did crumble. He did. And anyway, he's making mistakes and just getting to the front of the group, and then make running wide and Neil would have him again. You did no wrong moves at all. You had a lovely race. We finished probably six, six, seven, six, seven, eight, something like that. After the race, it was all his own work. This, these mistakes and he'd lost the championship on his own you know he couldn't blame anybody else but he decided that he was going to hate Neil forever for robbing him of a championship that he didn't he still does he, to, he was I've never seen him so angry he was so aggressive wasn't he yeah. he trying to kick you off your bike after the finish yeah. I quite enjoyed all that actually but that, I didn't realise you saw that, but what he did was, we went across the line, then like I rolled around turn one, and he comes alongside me, and he just booted me. Yeah, he just, kicked you. Just, I was right yeah, just, back. I was yeah. 100 metres behind you, and wondering what was going on, yeah. So then I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing, you absolute idiot? So that's why we ended up putting our bikes down on the track, and then... It's then right, it was, was one of those, like, right, leave that there. Come on, gloves are off. Yeah. But then what happens is you have that horrible realisation. You both stood there with your helmets on. You then know cameras will be on you. And instantly you yeah. go, what are we doing? We look like a rap yeah. pair of dicks. And but then you're you shouting at each other. At one point. I remember you were yeah, yeah. piece at one point like that. It was a good one. <laughs> it, it was pathetic. <laughs> I, I, Proper James, handbags. Weirdly, I, rem- I remember Sugo for a, for a different reason. And I don't know if it was... If that, if that was race two... But that year, or maybe the year before, I can't remember... Me and you was having a really good race. Everything's good. I think I passed you and I thought, brilliant, I've got, I've got past wit. That, you know, I'm going to break away now. Little did I know. We got down to basically the straight there, Gav. It's a long straight downhill into like a second Big, gear, sort of right-hand corner. Big ride, anyway, off camber. I'm all on the brakes. Everything's good, tipping in. And then I get hit so hard by James. Obviously, I realise it's James because he just 
I was like, look, I'm there, just pushed out straight into the gravel. My race is done. I ended up finishing like out of the points. And I'm like, yeah, cheers. <laughs> James was one of those riders you couldn't hate. So it weren't like, you know, I'd come back into the pits and go. Oh, I don't know. Hey, listen, you know. hard to hate, but worth the effort. <laughs> <laughs> But James is James is typical James. Straight up to me afterwards. Oh, sorry about that, mate. I just I have no idea what happened. No idea what happened. I knew. Do you know what? I knew we were going to each side of you for about two hundred meters. As soon as I hit that brake, it's downhill, and you can't really stop a bike. And you know, when you're trying to stop a bike for a corner, you are breaking as late as you can. There's nothing left. It's not. You know, if you miss your breaking point, if you're doing your job, if you're a good rider, and you miss your breaking point by ten feet. You're going to run ten feet wide. That's just how it is. You can't stop any quicker. Yeah. Um, and I knew, I knew 200 metres before I sort of striped into the side here. I thought, uh-oh. I didn't even know it was. I thought, oh, it's Neil. <laughs> uh, oh shit. Anyway. Did you, boys have, did you boys have fun out on the road together? Did you did you see each other? You know, what was the atmosphere like in the paddock amongst you boys around that time? I'm yeah, we, well, we always, got, we always got on. Yeah. You know, and back then it was a little bit more relaxed where they were everybody had a motorhome and then at some events you'd travel from one racetrack to another or a lot of people would stay around Mizano and you'd go on the yeah. camping Riccioni, that, that sort of stuff. So it, it was, I don't know, just happy days, weren't it? It was just good. I, think so. I mean, I remember we'd traveling, you'd, you'd travel with your motorhome and your missus in, in sort of groups. So we'd travel with uh, Peter Goddard quite a bit or Foggy. Foggy at that point was just going from driving his own motorhome. It was the, the big sea shift at World Superbike, which is probably five years after it happened at GPs, where you didn't drive your own motorhome. I always did. It basically, because I'm such a tight ass, I didn't want to pay anybody. Um, but Foggy just about got somebody to start driving his motorhome and paying him. But Goddard drove his own. Uh, there was a lovely fellow who used to drive, uh, Scott Russell's, it was his cousin, what we call? Yeah, Chris. Chris. It, great lad. So we'd yeah. spend a little bit of time with whoever we're travelling, really. It was... Uh, it, life don't get any better than that, actually, Gab. Um, and I think, well, I hope a lot of that hasn't been lost because. Well, I was going to say, you know, has, that, it, has it changed for the worse, the better in terms of the, the sport, and now we can well, enjoy it? In I think it, it's changed for the different. Yeah. And, and yeah. the kids that are coming through now, this I'm sure they're enjoying it just as much. Yeah. But it was a it was a great time. Can you imagine being? We were typically between twenty and twenty five or six. You've got a big yank motorhome that, I mean, some of us didn't have own houses at the time, and but we're setting off in a big old motorhome with your missus and a mountain bike on the roof and enough money really to do what you want without going stupid. And it would just, how can it get any better than that? Mm. It can't. People pay to go on holiday and do that. And we were, yeah. you know, we were dicking around for nothing, really. It was great. Doing it yeah. for a living. Um, what yeah. I just want to know, as we get into this point of the year now where it looks like racing's coming back, I think it'd be nice if we all sort of, I don't know, if we had a little bit of a, a look at preview of what what might happen now, because it's been massive. World Superbike obviously had the first round. Alex Lowe's came yeah. out on top. Johnny Ray was I didn't have his best weekends, but looks like he's on it. Scott Redding was amazing. In terms of World Superbike, when it comes back, I think it's, is it first weekend of August in, in Jerez is the idea, isn't it? The week yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, back basically. Back yeah. to back with the, with the, uh, the GP. Yeah, I mean, the only problem... Uh, yeah, the, the the big sort of disappointment is the fact that the racing was just so good mm. in round one. You know, we were looking forward to a sort of stellar season and, and we, we, you know, the fans were getting excited. 
I'll be honest, I mean, it's been slightly lackluster for a lot of reasons. I, I aren't slighting anybody in this at all. You know, it just looked like we might be getting a really competitive World Superbike back. So that was really disappointing. And the, the only slight disappointment we've got now is because every championship is trying to squeeze as many races as they can into what is a sort of two or three month period. I know that the World Championship boys have got a bit more scope because they can run on a bit longer. Mm. You can't run at flipping Brands Arch in, in December. If you go Southern Hemisphere, you probably can for the World Superbikes or, or MotoGP. So, uh, and, and the problem for, that we've got is, and everybody's got, there's, is, there's lots of clashes because everybody's squeezing everything into a, a smaller sort of period of time. So, but I, I'm, I'm quite an optimist. In fact, I'm what's called a blind optimist. I actually think that I actually think that the racing, when you sort of condense it a little bit, I don't mind and I didn't mind when I raced a little bit of pressure and that pressure of having a shorter championship, mm. not being able to make any mistakes because you can't, you've not even got time to fix a broken collarbone, never mind anything else. Now, I don't think it's horrible if you're a rider, but actually, not bad for us. Do you yeah. ride differently then in that situation? Will, there, will we see a different kind of race or will we see anything, you know, people approaching it knowing that an injury and you, that's your season done? I don't think so. You can... I mean, uh, no. You, you, you just go as hard, fast, as hard as you I mean, I, I sort of knew the answer, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. will be wondering that and asking that question. Yeah, you know, James, well, I mean, it's just I, another, it's another aspect, isn't it? Go on, then. I, well, no, this one always makes me smile is... You hear so many riders go, oh, yeah, well, if not that race, the majority of the time I was saving my tyres, I was doing this and all that lot. I don't think people realise, generally at home, how hard it is. So, like, 99.9% .9 of the time, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, James, you go absolutely as fast as you bloody can. Yeah. And that's and racing, isn't it? You, 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 <laughs> and, and, and see what happens. And hope, hope that's enough for a win, if not a podium, if not a top five, if not, you know what I mean? And that's Yeah, I mean... You get your races where things are, have clicked, you've, you've chose the right tyre, you've done your own work, it's a circuit you like or whatever, and, it, and it's easier than other times. But yeah. actually, for somebody like me, the majority of the time it was just flipping. I can't well, remember are. a lot of races, what happened in the race, because I was just 100% of my concentration was just on mm. the corner in front. Next corner, yeah. Strangely enough, there's, there's riders who can remember everything mm. who obviously have a little bit more. I remember uh, Steve Islock, coming to me once, we had a big battle at Donington and I'd actually beat him. But he said, oh, when you came past me then, you got a bit of a slide and then caught them back markers. I couldn't remember any of it because yeah. I, my, my was just, just kind of <laughs> blinking, blind, flipping, oh, my. I was just scared, <laughs> and, you know, full of adrenaline. It's a mixture of things, isn't it? It's yeah. a, you're full of chemicals that you don't really understand what they're doing a, a lot of the time, you know. So, hey, shall we, shall, we have, shall we have predictions then? Top three? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What, what do we yeah, see happening? Then. What do you think is going to happen? Let, should we go Wait, with top it? threes? Let's have top threes. Top threes for then for, for MotoGP, BSB, for, for BSB yeah. and World Superbike. Top, top MotoGP, three. MotoGP, honestly, you, you, you're the, the men, you two. I haven't, my opinion would be so bad because honestly, I spent that much time. Uh, it's like, I, I don't even have time to, to fully keep up to sort of speed with it. I watch it always when I've got time to watch it, when I'm not at either BSB or World Superbike. So any predictions on that will be so far off, I can't even tell you. Um, Go on then. 
gonna Mick Dewan. I'm, I'm not even gonna yeah, but, <laughs> Mick Dewan, Alex Cuvier <laughs> and Barros. Oh, Mick Dewan's good. He's good. <laughs> He's going uh, places. To be honest, so, um, I, I quite, I'm, I'm, one of the things I do hope is that um, Jake Dixon can have a good time with it. I spent a bit of time with uh, Jake and he's had uh, a hard time. I mean, it was always going to happen. It was never going to be easy for him. But um, I hope he can make some kind of headway, to be honest. that's uh, I'd like to see him in a class that is so difficult to make any headway. I do feel that on the triumphs, uh, the, the class has come back to him a little bit because the triumphs are a little bit heavier, a little bit more power, a uh, little bit talkier than the Honda engine uh, motor two bikes were. So with a bit of luck, that'll suit him slightly better. Mm. Uh, World Superbike, it's, the beauty of it is there's, there's no real outstanding kind of championship favourite. You're bound to say Jonathan Ray, but would you bet against Top Rack just taking another step? Uh, if if Scott Redding can can click with that, I mean he's he's a he's a, a rider who's travelled the world all his life. Nothing's going to phase him. He's not going to be like he's going to taste a bit of foreign food and his head's going to fall off. You know, like it does with some riders new into world uh, championship. So it'll be a it's going to be a really um, it's going to be a cracking championship. Is that in my opinion? Also, remember two super sport races per weekend. Yeah. To make up for us losing this kind of Yamaha uh, single mate Luku thing, which was a pity because that was a cracking idea and a cheap way into world championship racing. The world superbike, uh, the world superbike had its lapsed, I think, and I think that would have been a, a, a well, it is going to be good when it finally kicks off. But two super sport races, so that's going to be good. Um, and BSB again, when you lose, James, James front... give us your top threes. For God's sake. <laughs> give us your top threes. Right, okay, right, right. Give us your top threes. Come on. Top three world superbike. I'm going to go. Them three: Jonathan Ray, Redding, and Top Rack. But it could very well be anywhere around of that three. I've got a feeling about Top Rack. Honestly, if if you can. It just seems at that point where it can it can take a, a, a sort of big step forward with a bit of luck. Winning, winning, and then boom. Yeah, and, and no, you know, a bit of a sort of knowing he can win, and and definitely got the tool. BSB is a tough one to call for me. Absolutely, I've I've looked at it and I'm sort of, I wouldn't know where to go. Do you do you boys know where where I mean everyone's I don't. everyone says Josh Brooks. I think you know someone there with all that least favorite that experience. It has to be the favorite. But then that? Brooks Brooks yeah. yeah Brooks will be favorite. Brooks that's our favorite. A uh, couple of reasons. He knows the championship. Knows the circuits. Did a lot of winning last last year. He's on the same bike, and in my opinion, it's the best bike. Yeah. Put it simply. I think it's, it's it's probably the best bike of the championship. Um, I would love to see Christian in have a good time of it because I think it's Christian. I love Christian. He's a great lad, good mate of mine. Proper salt of the earth bloke. He's lovely. And what, nobody worked harder at it than him. And I just feel he's, he, he's on the best bike for the best team, arguably. Uh, and he's got to do it. There's no excuses now for him. He has to perform. Um, I'd like to see the McKenzie boys going well just because uh, Taz had a, a little bit of, I mean, it was how the hell he managed to even walk in a straight line after what he went through last year, just beat himself up a lot. Um, Taylor back in Superbike, so that's going to be interesting. It's um, The beauty of BSB is it could be actually 
if, if Josh Brooks has a you know an hard time of it, short championship, three races a weekend doesn't take yeah. much of a slip up to, to to miss a few races. And no, and no showdown, is there? They've got they've got no. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a it's a first past the post system yeah. this year. Yeah, you couldn't really run a, a showdown. No. It, it, yeah. it would have been and, a, a one. And Tommy Bridewell. Someone like Tommy Bridewell, Tom, you, you can't yeah. bet against him, can you? No. You know what I mean? He's not be, really. He, Tom, but Tommy's another one of them. He could. He, it's kind of knife edge stuff with Tommy. Uh, good season for him last year. Loves the team. They love him. It's just a sort of real synergy about the job. They, and they mm. do enjoy going racing. You go in that that garage. You just everybody knows the stuff, and and they want to be there. And it, it's. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see Tommy going well. I would. Yeah. But Brooks for me. Brooke Brooks starts as favourite, I'm going to say. Yeah, starts as favourite. But like you say, anything can happen. You know, you have you get that first race meeting out of the way and it's like, oh, bloody hell. You know, yeah, in fact, there's always one, a of the surprise. Of the, one of the races of the year, uh, last year for me, of all classes and all championships, it was BSB Stock 6, the, the, the young kids. And any one of four, one guy led it, the, a Kiwi guy led it um, by about nine points. He had a nightmare, bike just did perform. He's running around in sort of eight, ninth, tenth, trying to get up to wherever he can get the points just to win the championship. Then there were another four riders could win it, and all four of them led it in the last half of the race. And it was just flipping nuts. It was brilliant. So we'll definitely be having more of the same. But um, yeah, BSB is the most difficult one to, to call it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I won't, I won't push you on MotoGP then. Just say Mark Marquez. Safe, safe. Matt Marquez. There we are. <laughs> hey, Neil, do you ever get to ride them things now? What, what? No, no. The last one I rode was when I got the chance to ride Ian Oni's bike. What was that? Four years ago, Gav. Three yeah. years ago. Gav was my yeah. crew chief. Yep. It wasn't good. Ah, right. I'm blaming Gav for the set. Setting was way out. <laughs> I took, uh, hey, I I took about you? three seconds off uh, a few lap time with some of them settings. Hey, I'll tell you what you can't believe, James. The Go standout on. thing. Yeah, but wasn't the seamless gearbox because I'd not experienced one of them before. That, that yeah. was not, it was nice. The standout thing was when you came out of the corner and you went like that. Yeah. How with those massive wings on the bike, just you felt like you were going forward. You know, like we were constantly on the rear brake or stopping and wheeling. Wheeling. Yeah. yeah. There was none of that. It was bizarre. So like the really? last corner at Mizano, you'd come out onto the start and finish straight. Normally you'd be climbing all over it. Yeah, just, you didn't have to because it just wanted to go forward, but you could feel the back of the seat pushing your backside. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. what a nice what like this is. Imagine having this back in our day, like yeah, because the limiting factor of acceleration on any bike, especially from the lower speed, first, second, third gear upwards, is the fact that the center of gravity of a bike has to be quite high compared to anything compared to a race car. So the thing just wants to wheel, so that's what's yeah. limiting your acceleration. So you don't get any of that; it just goes forward. No, it was what, obviously what, some of, what, a, what a nice feeling. Some of the electronic yeah. settings I shoved in there as well <laughs> to, uh, oh, to make sure yeah. that happened. You know, we got that absolute tosser, <laughs> absolute tosser. Oh yeah, good. I got the geometry hey, just right, just right. Is it, is it? I've got a quick fire round for you, James. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not quick. Quick fire. There's some questions where it's not like one word answers. It's not that but, word association, is it? No, no, no. no I, right, all that okay. I get into trouble yeah. with them quite a lot. So it's the, yeah, it's why the, do you always... it's the slow fire round, is it, Neil? <laughs> it's a slow fire round. <laughs> I, I call them my big questions. Right, James, first of all, right, we're, we're, on a big, we're going for a big night out. Yeah. What, what's your drink of choice? Uh, drink of choice? Um, I would say 
I'm going with nice light beer. So I'd go for either, uh, yeah, Corona, I reckon. And I got a taste of it. Lightweight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what? Well, oh, oh, you can talk. talk. We, got, we got a taste for it when the whole paddock was awash with the stuff when they used to sponsor the Super Sport Championship. My yeah. motorhome, honestly, I don't know what the maximum carrying capacity was of them luggage lockers underneath, but I was exceeding it most meetings. <laughs> 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 oh my god, I love it! I thought it'd have been—I thought it'd have been a bitter drinker coming, you know. No, I don't, that, I don't mind know. a bit of bitter, but that's only because my dad sort of drummed it into me that that's what I have to drink to be a by, by law, <laughs> by law in yeah, Yorkshire, by, by law, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, right. Next question: Over the years, who's who's been your best teammate? You've had a few. I've gone with them all. I've had some cracking teammates. Best one to get on with probably Neil McKenzie. I think. Yeah, I, I think Neil. We got on really well both on track and uh, I mean it probably helped him get on with me that he beat me in the championship just but um, we, uh, we got on really well and his missus yeah. has got on as well so. uh, yeah. Carl was only ever teammates with Carl was a good friend of mine going through the, the whole racing thing but we were never really teammates and the year we were Carl was that sort of focused on what they were doing at a meeting we'd spent less time together than we did away from the meeting yeah yeah if someone give you 50 grand cash today, what, what's the first thing you'd want to buy? What would you go for? Are you, are you actually doing that, Neil? Have you got... Are you getting it out of your bank no, account? As we We've got that. We have that in the budget. New, the new gas it out budget. Yeah. Would, you, would you put it under the bed with the rest of your money, James? And just, just <laughs> I already it? can't sleep. I'm trying to get into the whole 20s before they go out of circulation. <laughs> No, I'd, buy a, I'd go and buy a really nice RG500, maybe Mark 3, Mark 4. Yeah, I knew you'd, I knew you'd buy an old bike. Yeah. Um, you've got your own track day company. You've been doing yeah. it for years, a bit on and off. I've been doing some teaching, as you know, over the years with focused events. I've seen some bizarre stuff, but you've yeah. been doing it for 20 years. What's the craziest track day thing you've ever seen? And you must have seen some shit. Oh. I mean, now, the way we're in now is we only put 20 people out on track and they're easy to manage. Everybody has a safety. For me, the, the, the scary bit about track days is the fact that the circuits are that expensive to hire. You must stack them and rack them. And we try to get away from that because we run at circuits that can afford to put less than 20 on track. But uh, we're at Donington. I, ran, I was running a company called Speed Freak with a guy uh, called uh, Paul Shulsmith who's no longer with us. Um, and we had a guy turn up late Everybody else has had the briefing and we're on track for their first session. He's giddy. You know how you, you can tell the guy's giddy? You can he's, tell. He you can, can hardly tell. stand still and he's got his bike's ready. And I said, right, me and you will just go in this garage here, get a bit of quiet. I'll do your own briefing, no problem. Running through everything. And by the end of the briefing, he was like, just going to explode. Jumped on his bike, wheeled down pit lane, shot out onto track, grabbed a load of front brake and went down the wreck. <laughs> <laughs> But like you said, you can just see it in certain people, can't you? Yeah, You're yeah, just yeah. like, oh my God, this guy's, this guy ain't going to manage session one. You can just tell no. them they're all a bit giddy. I've had well, it I'll tell you what I have had. Conversely, I mean, most people are nervous of being on track the first few times they go on track. But I've had kids who are quite natural and not just kids, older blokes. We've got a bloke on a ZXR6 older bike. He'll be in his 50s, little skinny fella at Anglesey. And I will follow him. And do you know when somebody's leaning over too much? The yeah. bike, he's not hanging off. The bike is literally, everything's on the floor. And he's up right on this much of the tyre that any one more degree, the thing's gone. And I have to try and slow him down. It's weird. But to go quicker, 
and ride more aggressively safely. I have to stop him leaning the bloody thing over. You know, it's flipping. And I'm looking at it going, that's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have no fear. And I, I, I've had that where you're behind him and you think, I've got to get in front of this guy because he's going down. But then as you get close to him, you think he's going to go down in front of you because he's got the same angle. So you've got this horrible dilemma of... Was he me? To get past was that me? <laughs> was it me? <laughs> Two go. That's what I was saying. I got past you. I'm like, oh, thanks. thank God I'm past James, you know. But, um, so uh, you're having a dinner party. Yeah. What three riders would you... Last question, by the way. Um, yeah. What three riders would you invite? Dead or alive? Um, Dead, either. Uh, one of them would be Mike Aylwood because um, it was a bit of an hero of mine and my dad's and he got killed before I had a chance to meet him. And I think I'll put myself in a position later that I probably would have been able to meet him at an industry do or uh, So Mike Aylwood would be one. Uh, the other one would be um, Kevin Schwantz just because he's flipping nuts. He's completely mad. Don't care what he says about anybody and it'll be funny. Although I'm not sure Aylwood would get on with him so well. Um, and can I have Winston Churchill? I don't know whether he rode a bike or not, but I'm sure, I'm sure he, did he did at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he did. Shoot all that in. Bloody hell, that'd be a, that'd be. Can I can I just watch? Can we can we yeah, record him? We heard about your serving. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine him with the, uh, the the tea towel over the arm. <laughs> yes. yes. Brilliant. Oh, mega, mega. Right. Well, we better let you go. Uh, Jim, thank you so much James, for that. No, we really no do problem. appreciate it for you uh, for uh, you listen, joining good, us. Good luck with um, getting going with MotoGP, and uh, yeah, hope it all works out. I, I, I guess it will. You've got you've got important people planning it all for you, haven't you? Well, yeah, thank God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank have we? Have we? Have you? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and same to you guys as well with uh, everything that you're up to. And uh, have you got any track days before? Have you been able to? Sort uh, yeah, of, yeah sort we, we started on Wednesday. We fired up at Croft this next Wednesday. Um, so we, we we've got a lot of things. You can't use garages. You've got yeah. you know we're, we're using we're using the circuits that have a fair uh, paddock area, so everybody can get their own little uh, bit. So if it, it'll work. Individual briefings and briefings by email and all that. In this in this era, I saw you actually something you retweeted just before we go, where we uh, I think we all agree that why aren't motorcycles being promoted as the safest form of transport in terms yeah. of you know riding solo, riding in full protective gear and so on and so forth. You'd, hey, listen, you don't get any more distance than you going out on your bike on your own and flipping riding some nice roads. You don't you don't get any more distance than that. Oh, pleasurable. It's just. It shouldn't, yeah. you know, that should have always been allowed or encouraged even. But, yeah. You know. yeah. I've always thought in traffic as well. It's one of those things for traffic. But anyway, by the by, um, I know it's something you subscribe to. Uh, James, thank you so much Whit, for uh, for Thanks, joining boys. us and uh, all the best for Cheers, the season starting and your track days and everything. We do appreciate it massively. Thanks, man. Cheers. Take See, care, you, See you later. See you, mate. Spot on. That's uh, Jamie Whitten, uh, who has uh, joined us. Some great stories, as always, Neil. I, I love it. And that, as you said, before we even spoke to him, the tip of the iceberg, we could have then had oh, 10 hours. God. 10 hours. We didn't delve into a lot of times. I was like, let's. Oh, do you know what? We haven't got, we haven't got time. I feel, I, I feel exactly the same. You almost feel like you, you've scratched the surface, you know, with James. Because I've had so many meals out with him and it just... 
you sit back, nick a few pints, and just let him go. And honestly, he's the stories he's got. He's he, he's one in a million, isn't he? Yeah, and a salt he's, of the earth character. One in a million. Salt of the earth character in uh, in so many ways. Oh, Gav, and he could ride a bike. Yeah, but that's he could ride that, that's a the bike. other thing you mustn't forget. Not and he rode everything. Mm. I'm rode, it, ride I'm a rode bike. it well. Very, very, very fast. Brave, way too brave, too brave. You know, but you can tell. Just you know, you know what I mean. You can just his personality. You're having a go. If you. If it were behind you on the last lap and it said plus zero weight, you thought, oh, fuck. Because you know he's coming through. He's, he's not gonna, you're not going to cross the line without him having had a go. Even if he did, it's not a successful attempt, it was, he'd have a go. Yeah. So, yeah, me and him collided a few times on the track. But, but like I said, I've never fallen out with James, ever. You couldn't. How could you fall out with him? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, no, I love the man. Love him. Uh, great to hear from him. What do you think about his predictions? <clears throat> I mean... I agree, really. Um, not with the World Superbike one. I think, obviously, I manage Alex Laws. So, Alex will finish top three in the world. I'm convinced of it. So, um, I don't think he'll beat Johnny Ray in the championship, even though Alex is leading the championship. My money would still be on Jonathan. But the way I see it is, for Alex, it's a learning year. And if he can learn off, Alex, off, off um, Jonathan, then uh, 2021 hopefully will fight for the title and in terms of the Ducati and the Yamaha do you see as he said Scott and Scott Redding and Toprak being the, the lead riders yeah, in their teams but also then you can't you, but you can't count out Van der Mark because I'm a massive fan of um, of Michael he rides so well he was Alex's teammate you know at Yamaha so I saw him at close quarters and he can ride in all conditions doesn't make many mistakes so and is there a where ch- top- is there then a chance I was going to say sorry I'm just, just trying to speed it along with is there a chance that Honda could have something now with the, the time we've had off? Could they have found something to help? Because, you know, they, they were behind, clearly, but they've had a bit of time to maybe be working on a few things yeah. behind the scenes. So you you got your Bautistas De- and, and Leon. And Leon. You know what? That that will have worked for Honda. You know, <clears throat> yeah. it's really worked in their favour. Yeah, you're so right. They've gained almost a year. So they will have things will have been developing and put on the back burner thinking we'll have to do this next year. They've had a chance to have a little play with You're not stuff, racing so. in the meantime where, you know, you can't, no. you can't bring that in because we're here, we're going to the next race, we're doing all that. No, you're all there in Japan, whatever, getting on stuff. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see I how think, they come I back. do, I think, one for, I think even though it's a short season, <clears throat> it's going to be a very short season for the Superbike boys, um, it'll be the best season we've had in a long time. But I think as, Different as, winners, exactly close championship. That Jamie said, wasn't it? That, that yeah. In terms of um, being thick and fast, it was set up so nicely at the start of the year. It could make it even better. I don't know. It could yeah. be the making of it. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed for it, anyway. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, we will talk uh, further about MotoGP uh, as things go along. But a quick word just on a couple of things that have happened since our last podcast, Neil. Um, obviously, we talked to, to Danilo and he, he said he looked like he's on his way up. There's a lot of talk that he's going to go to KTM, which I'm fascinated by. But that will be facilitated. Jack Miller's already signed there, which has happened since. And it, it sounds like Poly Spargro going to Honda. It's not been confirmed. I'm not even sure it's going to get confirmed until a bit further along. What would... I mean, for me, that is... It's blown my mind a little bit. Completely left field. What do you make yeah. of it? Well, it's a bit of inside information I got was that was pushed by Repsol. Obviously, Repsol's Honda's sponsor. They pay big money you know, tens of millions to sponsor the team every year. And they said, we want a guaranteed strong number two rider. We know we've got Mark. 
obviously for on a long term, but we can't guarantee Alex Marquez is going to be a strong number two. We can't guarantee he's going to be inside the top ten. We need, you know, that's what we're paying for is to have a have a strong number two. So we need a Spanish rider. They've looked down the list, and you'd have to go well. On paper, Paul would fit that, you know, obviously Spanish experience. A world, the way champion, he rides a a world champion in Moto2. Exactly. Can ride a motorcycle, can't he? And the way he rides is similar-ish to Mark. Mm. Riding style is very similar, very loose. So as left field as it is, because when it all came out, we all were like, what? Actually, when you break it down, it does make sense. But but is it fair? What does it, yeah, what does it do to the dynamics then of the Marquez Well, brothers? yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, Mark will be pissed off <laughs> what's it just signed for Mark four signed years up. and then yeah, you signed longest ever contract you know and then really he'll think you've really disrespected my brother there you've not given him chance to show what he can do but then i'm sure honda are going to move him to somewhere potentially cal's ride at lcr that you know it's talked about so that where does that leave cal well then cal with all his experience surely someone like KTM. Oh. Aprilia, you know, I know KTM we're talking to him, but Aprilia, you'd jump at him, wouldn't you? Like, Cal Crutchlow or Andrea Iannone, like, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? You know, someone who's got the experience of Cal without the fickle side and, you know, very good at developing. He's a great development well, rider. Clearly so. he has with the Honda, hasn't he? Done, yeah, done a lot that's, of it, that's a been lot his, of one of his there, roles. So. Are you surprised that all these deals are being done when there's been no racing? Well, it was always going to happen, I think. The longer it went, it was going to get to a point where... The, I th I'm surprised about the pole move. No one saw that coming, right? But um, the other deals have to be sorted, don't they, really? It, but, but it's just the way I, the, you the just think works. It, once, once it became clear the racing was going to come back, surely you want to see how someone's performing. If Alex Marquez now starts getting top 10s, and, well, imagine if he gets top fives. Imagine if it really clicks. Two-time world champion Alex Marquez yeah. is, is, is nobody's fool. And the, and the bike, if the bike is working, yeah, you know, which it wasn't necessarily at the beginning of testing, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just going to be fascinating. It is fascinating, isn't it, really? It'll motivate him, won't it? Yeah. Fascinating. It's all fascinating, come. yeah. We'll be talking about it more, I'm sure, when tests are undergoing as we speak now. Uh, we are about um, a month away, is it? Yeah, about four weeks away, pretty much, yeah. uh, from the start of the championship. I'm giddy. I'm a little bit excited about weirdo. it. Weirdo. Uh, like you sat wait, no, weirdo, though, sat there with bloody headphones on, the mic, black T-shirt, but, but completely naked on your behalf. That's not normal. In fact, let me show... Right! It's where, it's where you want it to all break up, the screen. <laughs> uh, right, um... Great to speak to you again. Great to speak to Wit. Uh, we will be back very soon indeed. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please like, please subscribe, uh, please send it to your mates and all those kinds of things and leave a review as well. It all helps us um, and uh, hopefully we can make these better. We really do appreciate all the lovely comments we've had and people have missed us. Uh, hopefully uh, we've sated your... Uh, what, what would it be called? Your... Your desires. No, that's not quite yeah. the right thing, is it? We've given you a fix again. Yeah. Just go, Gav. Just go. I'm going to go. Uh, listen, listen, Neil. Gav. What? I love you, man. That's creepy when I can see you. See you later. Bye. See ya. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, but you can do what you can come in. I don't mind. That's funny. You know, you know, like the other day, Vic got a parcel. I didn't know she was on a really serious works call. I didn't know she's on so many calls. So, so basically I went, Oh, I'll get the door. And the guy went, Oh, for Victoria. So Vic that looks at me and I went, Oh, it's for you. It's from Ann Summers. I just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> But it went down like, like the that worst. That is a full turd baguette, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Oh, dear. We were not friends, she just said. Can you hear it? I can hear, yeah, I can hear. I did hear it that time. Yeah, because I wasn't talking, basically. So. Cool. Yeah, mine's...